Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Yeshayahu Perak Lamed Hay, Chapter 35. You probably know that Ben-Gurion had a dream of making the desert bloom. And in an article published in 1955 on the significance of the Negev, he mentions that this is one of the oldest aspirations of the Bible. He mentions Avraham, how Avraham goes and travels Hanegma. He mentions Yitzchak, who Yoshev Be'eretz Hanegev, he has fields, he has agriculture in the Negev. But then he jumps to quote our chapter, Isaiah chapter 35. And he says, and I'll quote from Ben-Gurion, The prophets never made their peace with the Negev as a desolate place. And Yeshayahu, the son of Amotz, Isaiah, who we're talking about, he's the one who prophesied Yususum, he's quoting the opening line of our chapter, Yususum midbar v'tziah, the arid desert shall be glad, v'tagel arava, and so shall the arava rejoice, v'tivrach k'vchabatzelet, and it will blossom like a lily, paroach tifrach, it will blossom abundantly. It will exult and exult and joy and shout. It will be like a forest. It will be like the Lebanon. Carmel, green permanently, like the Carmel Sharon. Uh, we might put it this way. Um, our chapter is about making the desert bloom. It's a short chapter, um, and maybe we can even read it all together. In many ways, it is the opposite of our previous chapter. There, in chapter 34, Edom's kingdom had become a wasteland inhabited by wild animals. Do you remember we mentioned like a nature reserve? In our chapter, we see the opposite. Look at the opening psukim. I'll read them again. Notice the word parach coming up three times. Look how many expressions we have for joy. Yasis, v'tagel, afgilat v'ranen. There's a sense of joy. There's a sense of excitement. There's a sense that the country is coming back to itself. The um, arid, parched land is now coming back to be like the Lebanon, thickly forested, Hadar HaKarmel. And you might even know that one of the neighborhoods in, in Haifa is called Hadar, because Hadar HaKarmel, right, should be as beautiful as the Carmel Sharon. And interestingly enough, Pasuk Bet ends, Yerukavod Hashem Hadar Elokeinu. The Hadar of God, the beauty of God, is going to mirror the beauty of nature. And we all are probably familiar with the accounts, uh, Innocence Abroad, of Mark Twain, 
and he's not the only one. There are plenty of accounts from travelers, usually wealthy Christian travelers in the 17th, 18th, 19th century. Um, my father used to collect books of these travelers, and I used to sit sometimes on Shabbat afternoon reading them. And they talk about how the land of Israel in that period, the land uh, was so desolate, no trees, no agriculture, nothing. That's what the country looks like when it is controlled by others. That's what the country is look like when it doesn't have people who, who love it farming its land. But when the Jewish people come back, when God comes back to the Jewish people, we see this phenomenal agricultural abundance. Let's keep going. Chazku yadayim rafot. Strengthen the hands which are weak. Uvirakayim koshlota meitsu. Strengthen the knees, which are the, the, the legs, which are collapsing. Imrulam lim harelev chizku altirau. Say to those who are anxious of heart. Notice three physical things. Weak hands, weak legs, a weak heart. And say chizku, be strong altirau. Don't be afraid. God will come and save you. God will um, repay your enemies with, with vengeance. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. What is this image that people will be strengthened their eyes will be opened, their ears will be unblocked. Well, let's remember the prof remember the prophecy in chapter thirty, where they spoke about Banim Torah Hashem. Your children didn't want to listen to the Torah of Hashem. Ro'im, they said to the prophets, to the seers, Lotiru, don't look, don't see. and to those who again the prophets, the the, the visionaries, People didn't want to hear the Torah in earlier times, but now the eyes will be able to see, the ears will be able to be unstopped. Then the person who is lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall shout aloud. By the way, in the bracha that we use in Birchad Amazon uh, for the Chatan and Kala, Devai Haservagam Haron Vaaz Ilaim Bashir Yaron is exactly a paraphrasing of this pasuk, the taron lashon ilayim, the tongue of the, who, the person who cannot speak, shall sing, and here we see the desert blooming, because the wilderness has become full of water, the streams in the wilderness, and the Torrid earth shall become a pool. The places where they were first now become a fountain of water. A place where there were just jackals has now become pools of water. Dry land is now reeds and rushes. And what do we see? We see this notion exactly the opposite of the previous Perak where there Edom became a desolate wasteland, now the, the, the Arava, the south of Israel, the, the, the wilderness of Israel, becomes a place of water. If you look at Pasuk Tet, I've missed out a Pasuk, but I'll come back again. 
There won't be any lions there. There won't be any ferocious beasts. They won't be there. And you will walk as if you are redeemed. You'll walk without any fear. Two more details more in this chapter. And then we'll summarize. You'll be able to travel through this land because there'll be water now and agriculture. And what will that road be called? Derech HaKodesh. It'll be, the land will be so holy. Lo Yavrenu Tamei. Anybody who's impure won't, won't go that way. Almost like everybody will be going to the Beit HaMikdash. Or if you want to say maybe Tamei is a metaphor, because we then say, Holech Derech Ve'evilim Lo Yitu. It shall be for them, no traveller will go astray. And the last image the song with which I began this podcast. Those who are captives of God will return. The captives, those those who God those who God redeems will return. They will return to Zion in joy. We begin in joy, the joy of nature. We end with joy, the joy of the captives, the exiles coming back. And they will have everlasting joy on as a crown on their heads. Sason v'simcha yasigu. They will be surrounded with sason v'simcha. Benasu yagon v'anacha. And no more sorrow, no more crying, no more sighing. Notice how the parak begins and as it ends as it begins. Right? It, uh, it begins with... Sorry, I'm just finding the place. And it ends off in the very last Pasuk again, the idea of Sasson Vesimcha Yasigu, this idea Uvalti Omburina, this sense of incredible joy. So this is a wonderful, lovely parak. I just want to uh, finish this parak by understanding where we are in the book of Yeshayahu. And let's say this. Chapter 35, which we've just read, is an ending of sorts. Because the next four chapters are going to be historical. And in fact, we've seen these four chapters in Malachim Bet. They they are really just copied and pasted. Chapter 18, 19, 20 of Malachim Bet are put here. This is the history which we need to read about. The attack of, of Sancherev and the siege on Jerusalem and the miraculous salvation. So we have our first 35 chapters and then a whole historical four chapters. Um, chapter 40 of Yeshayahu is going to take up a very different tone and theme. Nachamu, nachamu, ami. This theme of consolation. And we're going to have to address the charged and fraught issue of whether Yeshayahu is a single work or maybe a book in two segments, each section written in a different period and by a different prophet. So we're going to address that in a future share. So what I want to do is sort of summarize. I want to summarize 35 chapters here. And let's say this. We had chapter 1 to 5, which gave us an introduction of sorts, introduction to the central themes of Ishayahu. Chapter 6, Ishayahu's initiation. He sees God in the temple. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. He says, Hineni, Shalcheni, send me. Chapter 7 to 11 told us about the period of Achaz, and the attack of Pekach and Ritin, where King Ahaz didn't want to 
take the prophet's advice. Chapter 12, we already have the prophecies, 12 to 23, the prophecies against the nations. And chapter 24 to 35, which we've just read, all revolve around warnings regarding the upcoming assault by Assyria, the earthquake, so to speak. Isaiah warning against alliances, warning that great destruction is on the horizon. Destruction which is divinely ordained and which is orchestrated by God. An upheaval that will purify the social order, the corruption, the lack of trust, the lack of social capital. Uh, remove the unfaithful and the exploitative nature of society. And then after the devastation, after the apocalypse, there will come an era of justice, harmony, truth. Kindness, authentic, loyal, pious leadership. And if these remained unfulfilled, and, and, and obviously the blooming of the the blooming of the country and the, the return of the, the, the exiles, all of these. Now these are prophecies which we don't really know. Maybe Yeshayel thought they were for his time. But if these prophecies haven't been fulfilled in the time of Chizkiyahu, then we need to defer their ultimate fulfillment to a later time, something referred to as the Messianic Age or the end of days. So this is really the summary we needed at this point in the Sefer, and we're now going to move into a very different tone over the upcoming chapters. That's it for today. Lehitraot tomorrow. Oh, oh, oh.